0: The following pre-recorded program is paid for by Carla Swanigan Ministries. Get ready to experience and receive the grace you long for from the heart of God. Welcome to Scandalous Grace with Carla Swanigan. Carla is a wife and mother, international speaker, minister, and engaging storyteller known for her transparency with an impactful testimony of how God has transformed her own life. Her desire is to connect you with the heart of God and the truth of how he truly loves and sees you. If you're hurt, if you're broken, if you yearn for God's love and acceptance, let the healing begin. Now, here's Carla Swanigan. Hey,
1: everybody. Welcome to Scandalous Grace, where we leave religion out of it and just bring Jesus. I'm Carla Swanigan, and I am so glad that you're joining us today. Today on the show, we are going to be talking about one of my favorite stories in the entire Bible, and it's the story about the woman at the well. Um, I love this story for a million different reasons, but specifically, I love the way it displays the heart of Jesus and the scandalous grace of Jesus that I love to talk about so much in this story, just to give you a little background. Um... Jesus comes into this town called, it's a Samaritan village, and um, he's wearied by a long journey, and he stops at this well, and it's the middle of the day. It's like noon, so it's the hottest part of the day. And he comes into this town, and that's where we're going to pick up in John chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, um, I'm going to be picking up John chapter 4. I think we're going to start with verse 5 today. And we'll just kind of go through the text together today. And I'm um, just going to talk it out. I want to share a little bit about um, my favorite parts of the story and just point out some cool things that I learned when I was studying this particular text. So read with me if you have your Bibles or on your Bible app in John chapter four, verse five, Jesus arrived at the Samaritan village of Sakaar near the field that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph long ago, weary by his long journey. He sat on the edge of Jacob's well he sent his disciples into the village to buy food for it was already afternoon. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink of water. Surprised, she said, why would a Jewish man ask a Samaritan woman for a drink of water? Jews won't even drink from a cup that a Samaritan has used. So what's going on here? Let me just stop right there in the text. This is so cool because, okay, first of all, Um, In their culture, back in that time, theologians talk about the fact that Jewish people considered Samaritans unclean. So they were kind of the outcast of their culture. They were considered, you know, nonbelievers, unclean, unworthy. I mean, you name it, they were the outcast. And so Jewish people would actually go out of their way and walk around that town and go a different way, a longer way just to avoid going through the town of Samaria so they wouldn't have to interact or come into contact with any Samaritan people because they considered them so unclean. So they were willing to go out of their way and take a longer route to wherever it was they were trying to get to, which is so crazy to me. But then again, you know, when you think about it, I feel like there are times that as believers, as followers of Jesus, you know, We can probably think of some places or some people groups that we consider to be unclean. You know, places that we, quote unquote, wouldn't be caught dead in. You know what I'm saying? Because we consider it unclean. It's just something to think about. Like, immediately what comes to my mind, sometimes Vegas, you know, everybody calls it Sin City. Oh, I won't go there. You know, that place is bad. And to me, personally, in my opinion, that's just not true. God's light shines bright everywhere right? Even in the darkest places. And there's tons of amazing, beautiful people in Las Vegas, ones that know the Lord and love him. And also ones that I would love it if they knew the Lord. So either way, I think it's somewhere we ought to go and visit and be and not avoid it. But that's what was happening here in the story. Most people in Jesus's culture at that time would go out of their way to avoid this town of Samaria. So then Jesus, because he's so awesome and scandalous, he goes right through the town. He doesn't avoid it. He walks up to this well. He's hot. He's tired. He sits down, sends the disciples off for food, and this woman comes up to the well in the middle of the day. And when I was studying this, and I've heard other um, Bible teachers actually teach on this very topic in this story, the fact that the woman, the Samaritan woman, came to the well in the middle of the hottest part of the day. It was noon. So she's at the well at the hottest part of the day, and that's just unheard of. And they believe it's you know, she was there for a certain reason, she was avoiding people. And we're going to get to that reason in just a minute. So Jesus starts talking to her and ask her for a drink of water. And first of all, she's shocked that he's speaking to her at all because she's a Samaritan and they're considered unclean. Secondly, she shocked because he is a Jewish man speaking to a woman and again in in Jesus's culture in that day, men didn't really address women in public they they hardly acknowledged them in public. so Jesus is making another statement here, and I feel like he's saying to her, "I see you, I recognize you, I value you as a human being, which I love about the Lord He was constantly breaking down those cultural barriers and those gender stereotypes. I just love that about him. I love that he talked to her. I love that he um, addressed her and asked for water and was willing to share from a cup from her. And so she was so shocked about that. So let's pick back up in the story. We're going to go back to verse nine and we're going to read a little further through 19, but this is where Jesus asked her for the water. And she says, again, why would a Jewish man ask a Samaritan woman for a drink of water? And Jesus replied, If you only knew who I am and the gift that God is wanting to give you, you'd be asking me for a drink, and I would give to you living water. The woman replied, But sir, you don't even have a bucket, and this well is very deep. So where do you find this living water? Do you really think that you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well and drank from it himself, along with his children and livestock? Jesus answered, If you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again and again. But if anyone drinks the living water I give them, they will never thirst again and will be forever satisfied. For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit springing up and flooding you with endless life. The woman replied, let me drink that water so I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come back here to draw water. And this is where it gets good, you guys. Jesus said to her, go get your husband and bring him back here. But I'm not married. The woman answered, that's true. Jesus said, for you've been married five times and now you're living with the man who is not your husband. You have told the truth. The woman said, you must be a prophet. Okay. So here's what's going on. Jesus is talking to this woman, this scandalous woman at the well. We find out here in this part of the story that she has been married, not once, not twice, but she's been married and divorced five times and now she's living with a guy that's not her husband. So she's like, what, you know, today everybody would be like, Oh, she's living in sin. She's living with a guy she's not married to. And Jesus totally recognizes this calls out. It's, it's a word of knowledge. He knew this in the spirit. There is no way he could have known that other than the Holy spirit telling him that. So he speaks this word of knowledge to her. It blows her away. She realizes whoa this guy is really unique there's something special about him he must be a prophet because he knows he knows what's going on in my life he knows my past he knows my current situation and what i love about jesus is when he says that to her you don't hear any shame in his voice you don't hear any guilt or condemnation he's just acknowledging the fact that he sees her and he recognizes what she's going through. He sees her situation. He still wants to drink water from her cup. He still wants to offer her the living water. He still wants to talk to her and have relationship with her, but there's no religion in it. You guys, there's no condemnation or accusation whatsoever. He just pretty much states the facts of her current situation. And I love that about Jesus. That's Oh, that, To me, that's that scandalous grace that I love to talk about on this show, his love and mercy, his unconditional love, how he meets us right where we're at. And that's what he did with this woman. I mean, I think she's at the well at noon in the hottest part of the day because she is a divorcee five times over. Let me tell you, I'm sure the other women in the neighborhood and her community knew all about that. I'm sure there was lots of chit chat about that. Um, behind the scenes, I'm sure the other women um, possibly judged her and um, gossiped about her. And I, I'm sure it was probably really hard to, for her to make friends and to fit in and feel welcome because they were so religious back then. And Jesus is just breaking down all of those barriers and going straight to her heart and speaking to her situation. And if you ask me, he's speaking directly to where she needs healing, her wound. You know, somebody that's been married. Five times, and I—I've been married twice. I'm divorced myself, personally, so I can speak into this a little bit. Um, I would imagine that part of what was going on with her is she was looking for love her whole life, and she was trying to fill a void, and that's why it was husband after husband after husband after husband, and nothing fills that void, you guys, except Jesus. You know, we've talked about that before, how we can try and and um, self-medicate and cope. And, and try to fill that hole in our heart ourselves with um, drugs or alcohol or um, even just vegging out like marathoning on Netflix or something. Just tuning out the world because we don't want to look at the thing that's causing us pain or the thing that's making us feel empty. And you guys, Jesus is the only thing that heals that wound. He's the only thing that fills up that empty space inside of us. Nothing else is ever going to fill that space but him. And so I love that he went to the root of what was going on with her. Really? He wasn't just pointing out her sin saying, I see you sinner." I just don't believe that. That's not his heart. I think he was calling out in her what needed to be healed. And there she was without even realizing it, talking to the healer, the only one that can heal. And so I love that. I love that about him. I love, I love all the details that we get right here in this story. Um, You know, I can totally relate to her in my own life. I came back to the Lord um, a long time ago and, and I've talked about it a little bit on the show before, but you can find out more about my story on my website at com or on my YouTube channel. But you know, I came back to the Lord when I was going through trouble in my second marriage. I'd already been married and divorced Um, I had a son from that marriage and, um, here I was in another marriage. We'd had another child together. I had another son. So now I have two boys. I'm in my second marriage and this one is Rocky and a mess. And it's for the same reason that probably the woman at the well was going through. I didn't have all of my stuff healed, you know, and I brought my baggage from my life into my first marriage and got divorced. And then I brought even more baggage into my second marriage and, you know, it was kind of on the path of the, like I was going to get divorced again. And I was really starting to believe I wasn't cut out for marriage. And I went to church one night shortly after coming back to the Lord and asked a woman to pray for me. They were having a special night of, of prayer for marriages. And I asked this woman, um, to pray for me and, and to pray for my marriage. And I told her, you know, I feel like I'm going to get divorced again. I feel like it's too hard and I'm just not cut out for marriage. And, and this woman, you guys, she prayed for me, and she prayed straight from the heart of God. Um, the Holy Spirit did the same thing for her that um, he did for Jesus with the woman at the well. He gave this woman a word of knowledge for me. She knew and started to pray for me some of my history. She she knew things that only God knew, and she spoke those things to me and said that God wanted to heal me from the things that had happened to me in my childhood and and some of the things that caused me pain as a young adult. And even the things that were going on in my marriage that I didn't even share with her, she knew from a word of knowledge from the Holy Spirit. And you guys, I imagine it was the same for the woman at the well. It made me feel so seen and loved by God. It made me feel so treasured by him that he would have this woman, a stranger, pray for me and speak things that only he and I knew. And And it just made me feel so loved by him and it was an unconditional love. And the fact that he knew all that about my history and he knew all about my past and he still loved me and was still pursuing me and wanted to heal me and, and, and wanted to, um, you know, use me in ministry and to partner with him, bringing heaven to earth. Like that's such an honor and a privilege. And the fact that he didn't care about any of that stuff and just loved me right where I was at. Again, that's that scandalous grace and love and mercy of Jesus. And it was just a beautiful thing in my life. It, it totally transformed me. It was life changing for me. Like I'm sure it was for this woman at the well. And I think that's part of the reason I so relate to her story because we have such a similar, um, history and to be honest experience with the Lord, you know, Jesus saw me right where I was at, called it all out and, and loved me and not just in spite of it, but because of it, you know? And so, um, I just, I love that about him. You know, your past does not determine your future with the Lord. It just doesn't. He determines your future. So if you're like me and you, you have kind of a scandalous past, that doesn't scare the Lord away. So don't let that bother you. And I love that it didn't scare him away from the woman at the well either. So let's pick back up in our story and see how this is going to go. So we'll pick back up in John chapter four, verse 21. Jesus responded. Believe me, dear woman, the time has come when you won't worship the Father on a mountain or in Jerusalem, but in your heart. Your people don't really know the one they worship. We Jews worship out of our experience, for it's from the Jews that salvation is made available. From here on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with the right heart. For God is a spirit, and he longs to have sincere worshipers. Who worship and adore him in the realm of the spirit and in truth. And the woman said, this is all so confusing, but I do know that the anointed one is coming, the true Messiah. And when he comes, he will tell us everything we need to know. And then Jesus said to her, you don't have to wait any longer. The anointed one is here speaking with you. I am the one that you're looking for. Ah, oh, I love that so much. So here he's explaining worship to her, true worship in spirit and in truth. And it's way like over her head. She doesn't fully understand like a lot of us when, you know, even when I read the word, sometimes there's times that I'm just like, Oh, Holy spirit, help me like reveal your word to me because I don't understand what I'm reading. And the Lord is so faithful and kind to do that. And, um, I feel like that that's what she was saying here is I don't understand what you're saying, but when Jesus comes, you know, when the Messiah comes, I'll understand. And then Jesus just so lovingly, but matter of factly says to her, I am he, I am the one you're looking for. And I'm sure that was like mind blowing to her and shocking to, to be standing there and realizing that she's speaking with the Messiah. You know, he's already told her all this stuff about her history. He knew that she was married and divorced all those times. And he knows that she's living with a guy that she's not married to, but now he's really blowing her mind because he tells her that he is the Messiah. And so right at that moment, it gets really good because in verse 27, the disciples come, they walk back up, they went into town. Remember, he sent them into town to get food. So they come back and they are absolutely, it says in verse 27, that they were stunned to see Jesus speaking with the Samaritan woman. Yet none of them dared to ask him why. Or what they were talking about. And I think that's so funny because, you know, they come back and they see him speaking to a woman at all, which I told you is a big deal. So there he's breaking down that stereotype and that religious barrier. And then he's speaking to a Samaritan woman, an outcast. You know, the one that they consider to be completely unclean. People, they go around to, they go along a route just to avoid this whole town. And here he is sitting down speaking to her, drinking from her water jug. I mean, they must have been pretty shocked. And um, he's breaking down those religious barriers. So then right at that moment, in verse 28, it tells us all at once, the woman dropped her water jar and ran off to her village and told everyone, come and meet a man at the well who told me everything I've ever done. He could be the anointed one we've been waiting for. Hearing this, the people came streaming out of the village to go see Jesus. So I love the visual of her just dropping her water jar, right? It's so dramatic, you know, and I love that. And she goes running off into this town, into this community that she's an outcast in because of her history, because of her past and um, because of the judgments and the gossip and everything about her being married so many times and living with a guy she's not married to. And she runs and basically evangelizes this town, which I love. Um, It tells me in my notes that, Um, she goes down in history as the very first new Testament evangelist to win an entire city to Christ. I love that you guys, Jesus wasn't even supposed to talk to women back then. And here he is talking to her and the first evangelist in the entire gospel turns out to be a woman. And I think that's such a beautiful thing too. I love that God is constantly showing us that he loves us and he sees us and he values us as human beings, as his creation created in his image. I love that about the Lord. He's always breaking down those cultural barriers. He's always coming with the scandalous grace, excuse me, the scandalous grace every single time. So let's finish up here in verse 39 of John chapter four. Let's see what happens. So the woman runs into town and she's like, come and see this guy. She tells him it's the Messiah. So here in verse 39, so there were many from the Samaritan village who became believers in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did, she said. Then they begged Jesus to stay with them. So he stayed there for two days, resulting in many more coming to faith than him because of his teaching. teachings. Then the Samaritans said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you told us, but now we've heard him ourselves and are convinced that he really is the true savior of the world. And I love that, you guys. The whole town comes because she calls him in, because she evangelizes them, comes, hangs out with Jesus, believes in him, receives their salvation, and he hangs out there with them for two more days, which is so awesome in a town he's not even supposed to be in, right? So there we are again with those cultural barriers, breaking down religious stigmas, breaking down um, all those kind of stereotypes like only Jesus could do. And again, I love that about him. It's such a beautiful thing. You know, it says in Romans 4, 7, how joyful are those whose lawless acts are forgiven and whose sins are covered. And I just thought about the joy that must have been in that town when they realized the savior of the universe, the Messiah, the Holy One of Israel, not only stopped in their town to drink water and talk to a woman, but also to bring salvation, to bring truth, to bring life. You know, it says in my text that, That word um, Messiah and Savior can also be translated life giver, the eternal life giver, which is Jesus. So that's why it's one of my favorite stories for so many reasons. Like I said, I love the scandalousness of Jesus in this. I love his love. I love his grace and his mercy. Um, But just to recap it all, I love that Jesus goes to this town and speaks to this woman This outcast in her community, this adulterous woman, really. She was a divorcee five times over. She's considered unclean in his culture because she was a Samaritan. And and here she is, this adulterous, outcast, divorcee, a woman living in obvious sin. But, you know, none of those things stopped Jesus from ministering to her. It didn't stop him from sharing himself with her, his love with her. And you know what, guys? It shouldn't stop us either. Really? Seriously, there are lots of people in this world that need the love of Jesus. They don't need our judgments, our criticisms, our opinions about their circumstances. They know their situation. They don't need us to remind them. What they need is Jesus. What they need is the scandalous love, the scandalous grace, the scandalous mercy of Jesus. And I love that God put all of these examples in the Bible about Jesus constantly Breaking those barriers, living on the unlovely, the outcast, the sinner. You know, when he stopped and ministered to her, he broke all those religious and cultural barriers. He did it because he loved her. And as followers of Christ, we should do the same. You know, who is God calling you to minister to, to speak an encouraging word to, to be the love of Christ Jesus to you today? Please don't let religious and cultural barriers stop you. It never stopped Jesus ever. And it shouldn't stop us either. I want to pray for you today. You know, I want to pray for all the ones that, um, feel like that woman at the well, like I felt, you know, I, um, I pray that you'll have your personal encounter with Jesus, just like that woman at the well. So right now, in the name of Jesus, Father, I pray for all those ones that relate like me. I totally relate to her with that woman at the well. Lord God, I pray that you would bring healing and break off the shame, break off the guilt, break off the condemnation that the world and that the enemy has brought on them. And I just release your unconditional love and acceptance to them, Lord. I pray that today would be their day of salvation, that they would come to know you, Jesus, as their Savior who loves them unconditionally. And Lord, I also pray for the ones um, that might be uh, hanging out in the religious uh, cultural camps, Lord, that they would reach out to the outcasts, the ones they consider unclean, and they would see how you love them and they would speak your truth. I pray all these things in the mighty and holy name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, our great Deliverer. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for joining us today please email me at at Carloswanigan.com and let me know how how God's moving in your life, the show, and how we can partner with you in prayer. You can also connect with us on social media at carloswanigan.com. And please remember, you guys, leave religion out of it and just bring Jesus.
0: We hope you were blessed by today's episode of Scandalous Grace with Carlos Wanigan. Please go to carlaswanagan.com to listen to podcasts, see where Carla will be speaking, and to find out about all of Carla Swannigan Ministries' resources, including her video devotional series, Scandalous Grace with Carla Swannigan, is a listener-supported radio ministry outreach. We depend on your prayers and donations. Please go to carlaswanagan.com for ways you can partner with Carla in reaching listeners with God's love and grace. Please join us again next Saturday at 4 p.m. for Scandalous Grace with Carla Swanigan.